welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is with someone who identifies as a man. Yay! I know so many of you um, love listening to the episodes I have with men on, and I do try and get lots of men uh, to even it up. But yeah, it's, it's harder to get men on the podcast. I don't know if it's because I'm a scary lady, but it was lovely to have Roy Biancala on the podcast talking about his divorce and his experience of relationships and the patterns within the relationships uh, that he kept falling into and why he then became a divorce coach and he helps people now with their own experiences. He has his own podcast and uh, he's written a few books as well. And we talk about attracting the right person, uh, the person you want everlasting love with uh, and all Roy's kind of ideas on that, which is super interesting. So I hope you enjoy this one. I am joined by Roy Biancalana, relationship coach, podcaster, and author. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Oh, it's so great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, well, you're so welcome here. It's lovely to have a man. I interview people of any gender, but uh, <laughs> I don't get quite as many men. So this is exciting for me. Oh, so thank yeah. you. Men get, men get divorced too. <laughs> I know, right? I hear that that's the case. Um yeah. So how does it feel when I say to you, welcome to the divorce social? It, it feels appropriate. Divorce is a part of life. At least half of us will experience one. But I would say it's much even higher if you include 
breakups or being dumped. You know, we've hardly anyone goes through life without experiencing the ending of a significant relationship. And certainly, when, you know, when you're married and you have kids, you know, it's it's way more complicated. But a broken heart is a broken heart. Um, a broken dream is a broken dream. And so I think the conversation around how do we make sense of it? What can we learn from a broken relationship? And what can we do to to do our best to maybe not have another one? <laughs> you know? So how do, how do we not end up in Groundhog Day where we keep living the same thing over and over again? So um, I think that's an exciting thing to talk about. Well, I love your positive spin on it. I feel like when I was in the depth of my divorce, I didn't have that positive spin. I was just like, uh. Well, let me just say right there, me either. Now, my divorce was coming up on almost 20 years ago, 18 years now. I rebounded into another relationship immediately. And we were, we got engaged and six months before the wedding, she broke up with me. And that one destroyed me. Like I went on a year long midlife crisis. Okay. And so in the middle of that, had you said, Hey, Roy, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Like it's going to change your life. It's going to make you a better man. It's going to change your career. It's, it's going to open you up to a level of consciousness that you've never experienced before. I would have punched you in the face because I was in so much pain, but that is in fact, what happened. Our pain can be a portal to profound personal growth. But in the middle of it, no, it just feels horrible, but there is a way out. And again, yeah. that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. And um, try to avoid punching people in the face, I guess, is key <laughs> advice. Um, that's always good. <laughs> so would you mind taking us back to your divorce? So where were you in the world, in your life when it happened? Well, um, I was married for 19 years. I was living in Florida um, and my marriage became a kind of a, a platonic co-parenting functional relationship without the man woman stuff, right? There, there wasn't much of a sex life. There wasn't much spark between us. We didn't fight much. We didn't fuck much, right? We, we, we just raised the sun together but it was more like living with your sister than anything else. And I don't think my ex-wife was really happy with that. I know that I wasn't. And so, you know, I initiated the divorce. And like I just said, I immediately met someone. And of course, when I say rebound, like what is a rebound? It's like the ball hits the wall and it rebounds the other direction. So I went the complete other direction. And this relationship was almost purely sexual which at the time was wonderful because I'd gone so long without any affection. Um, but the relationship lasted two and a half months and, and it started, and we'll probably get into why this happened, but it started to deteriorate and it went downhill and then she broke up with me. And that's where I, I had a, about a year where I couldn't sleep. I, I, I wasn't eating well. I became a lousy father. I had heart palpitations. I mean, I was just a mess. And so that's when I made a second bad decision. <laughs> At the time, you know, my immediately jumping into another relationship is not what any relationship coach or therapist would ever suggest. It was probably me trying to survive the best I could. 
So I wouldn't advise it, but sometimes we do those things. But my, my second thing I wouldn't advise is when my ex-fiance broke up with me, I was in so much pain that the only way I knew how to deal with that was to join a bunch of these online dating sites and try to find another woman to help me forget about her. Um, wow. Now, that's not very advisable because I met a lot of wonderful women online and I thought that I was emotionally available, like I could really connect with them. But now looking back, I wasn't even close to being available. I was in a sense, I hate to admit this, but it's true. I was sort of using these new women to just distract me from the last one. As long as we're playing and flirting, maybe for a moment, I won't be thinking about what had just happened. And so I wasn't available. I, I wasn't, you know, and so you can imagine the amount of drama that that caused of the mixed messages and, and all of that. So I created so much nightmare online doing that and just trying to survive my pain that right around then is when I had a friend of mine, a brilliant person just seemed to suggest, Roy, maybe you need to hire someone. Maybe you need to work with someone on your love life, dude, because you're a mess. <laughs> now here is, here's where I find myself hilarious but I find this to be so common is that after all of that divorce and being dumped in the relationship drama that I was involved in, I really did think that the reason my love life was a mess was because I just hadn't met the right person yet. Yeah. It never occurred to me that maybe I had something to do with it. <laughs> okay. My ego, I guess, was so big and so blind that I really thought that it was them. Oh, my ex-wife, this and that, my ex-fiance, and oh, you crazy women I meet online. I was pointing the finger of blame. It never occurred to me that maybe I had a blind spot. Maybe I had my childhood conditioning was impacting my ability to connect. Maybe I had what I call a relationship persona. Maybe I had limiting beliefs. Like maybe I had some shit that was co-creating these dynamics. I just thought it was everybody else's fault. And that realization that perhaps maybe it was me was the single biggest thing that I did to change the course of my love life. Because I've been married now for almost 14 years now. You, you can't see, but I got a wedding ring on here. I'm, I'm in a great relationship now. And it's only because I decided to stop blaming and pointing the finger. And I turned the mirror and I looked at me and I'm like, dude, what are you doing to attract these women? What are you doing to, to set these patterns and these things in motion? What, how, are, how are you responsible for what's going on? So I started, instead of blaming, I started working on myself. And by doing that, I started to discover, <laughs> this is where it's funny. It really was me. <laughs> I mean, the, the women had their issues, of course. Everyone's got their issues, but we, we've all got shit, Roy. I started to see that without my stuff that I was not aware of, it could never have turned out this way. And so the biggest shift that we have to make, if we want to recover from a divorce, move through it and maybe have that never happen again, or, or to really move in a positive direction is to stop putting our energy and our attention in what they did and 
how they treated us or and really look in the mirror and take a 100% responsibility right now that's not easy to do because the ego doesn't like that the ego loves to say well it's her fault and she was this or he was this right it, but because the ego doesn't like to own things yeah even when you're saying it i'm thinking about my ex and being like yeah but he did do these things and oh, yeah well, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that my ex-wife didn't have some issues around her sexual energy. And I'm not saying that people didn't cheat on you and they didn't break their promises and that they weren't assholes. Okay. <laughs> okay. But why were the assholes showing up in your movie? Right? It's like, why, why did I attract that? And what was my part? Perhaps if I saw some things about myself, if I recognized my insecurities, if I recognized my relationship personas, perhaps it, I would never have been with that person in the first place. So the willingness to look at yourself is when you begin to have the aha moments. When you're looking at someone else, all you're going to see is, yeah, okay, they did what they did. But then what do you do with that? Because we do know that second marriages fail at a higher rate than the first, right? which should be the opposite. We should learn something from the first one. We should grow and be a better person from what happened and be ready to do something, you know, healthier, but it's just the opposite. And that's because we often leave a relationship blaming and not doing the introspective deep work on ourselves. And we just take our baggage and our blind spots and all, we just bring it with us. And we go into another relationship and we almost live in that groundhog day. So if a person can just make the shift and stop blaming and just look in the mirror. And then very often, I think we need help doing that. And I hired a coach. I, I hired a coach. And the question was, why is my professional life doing well? And my personal life sucks. Like what's going on. And through that work, Here's why I became a coach. If anybody cares, it, it's sort of relevant because the questions that my coach asked me, where she poked me, what she invited me to look at, the processes she wanted me to, to work on, they so woke me up. They, sh they, they showed me how I was responsible for these dynamics and attracting these women and these patterns and these problems and this pain. <laughs> That when I came out of that and I was able to meet and fall in love with an amazing woman and been together 14 years, I became a coach because I just want to do for other people what my coach did for me, right? It's, it's completely transferable. I tell people I didn't get lucky. I, I, it's like, like God smiled on me. No, it's like, if you do the things I did, you can have the same results I got. And so now I'm just a coach because I never wanted to be a coach. I never grew up thinking I wanted to be a coach or a therapist. Not at all. It kind of like a backdoor thing. I came out of it and it was so powerful. I'm like, holy crap. I'll bet you there's a lot of people out there like me really wondering why their love life isn't working out. And I just discovered some pretty cool stuff as to why and what to do about it. I'd love to share this with people like my coach did with me. And that's why I do what I do. It's really interesting because a lot of the things you're saying there are kind of things that 
go against, I guess, what we believe when we grow up and we watch these movies that like, you know, you're so lucky that you found that person and it just works. And, you know, and actually we don't learn that relationships take work and you need to work on yourself. And when do you think you learned that? Was it through the coaching process? Because I feel like it was my divorce that taught me that Mm -hmm. love is not enough. And I don't mean that in a sad way of like, but I mean that as in you can love someone, but you need other things in place to make a relationship work. Love isn't the be all and end all. Right. And that's where a lot of our media and movies and fairy tales, they fail us because it, they just make it seem like it's that chemistry is all you need. <laughs> that's just chemistry is nice, but um, no, that's not what builds a relationship. So for me, it, it was sort of the divorce too. It was the sense that it was the pain that I was in that finally made me say, what's going on here? Like, you know, I think pain sometimes, well, even pain in the physical body, is a signal that something's wrong, right? When your knee really hurts or something, it's like, well, you should get it checked because pain, you're not supposed to feel pain. Pain's a signal something's wrong. So when you're in a lot of emotional pain, sometimes some of us, and I was this way, we're blind enough to it for a while that we just, oh, I just need to find a better partner, you know, or a new dating site or something, or buy a new outfit or, you know, do more chest presses or something and I'll be bigger buffer dude, you know, I, but eventually the, the pain brings you to your knees and it, it can open you to start asking real questions. Like, like what's going on here? Like, what am I missing about myself? And so I, I think the pain can be a real blessing is as awful as that sounds. If it drives you, I mean, pain can drive you to drink. It can drive you to do very self-destructive things, or it can drive you in a direction of real change. And we get that choice, whether we want to take that pain and, and sort of whine with it and complain about it and feel like a victim and just spiral into more drama and misery, or whether it, that pain wants to wake us up and say, something's wrong. And you, you got to look at it here. Right. And then it can be something you look back on and say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me of being hurt in that way because of what it produced in me. And I think it's important to say we've we've also all done the first one of like whining and and it's you can turn you can turn around at any point. Um, but I love that metaphor of, you know, when you're in physical pain, it shows you something's wrong and then you, you know, go and try go to the doctor or try and sort it out. But actually, when we're in emotional pain, sometimes we're sort of taught that we just got to deal with that. And then it'll go away, you know, and it's like if your leg was broken, you wouldn't just deal with it and let it go (laughs) away because you have trouble. And doing the work, I think, is so important. So it's it's great to kind of talk to you about that and your journey. But for a second, I just want to go back to that kind of rebound stage Mm -hmm. that you mentioned. So. I know um, a lot of listeners to the podcast, particularly my female listeners, will say 
you know, it tends to be if they've broken up with a man, it tends to be the man that rebounds first, obviously not in all cases, but goes straight into another relationship. Is that the same in your experience? And why do you think that is? I don't know if I notice a drastic difference in the numbers of men that rebound versus the women. I, um, I think, I don't know if it'd be fair to say that some men might not be able to deal with pain as well sometimes as women. That's so generalized. I just think we have different ways of dealing with our pain. Well, and also, you know, men historically have been brought up to believe that, you know, you just get on with it. Boys don't cry. You know, right. you don't have right. those outward emotions. You've got to keep it in and carry on. So there is something in that kind of toxic teaching of young boys as well. Yes. Oh, I completely agree with that. And that may be part of why men were not prepared to deal with sadness and grief and fear and loneliness uh, because we've almost disowned all of that. And then we just do the best we can and we just find someone new. I think it's true in the human condition that when you're hurting, you will look to medicate your pain. And maybe it depends person to person as to what your favorite medication is. Mine was women. So one, we'll get to this, but one of the things I discovered as to why my love life was so ridiculous as I had, I had some mommy issues that were being played out with women. I, I was really in desperate need of attention and affection from a female source. I was sort of addicted in that way. And so I think the more our relationship with our opposite energy attraction, the more that, that those wires are crossed, the more we immediately rebound because we're, we're, we're looking at that partner as being the solution to some internal, not okay feeling. For me, it was feeling undesirable, sort of unwanted by the feminine. Yeah. Cause I'm, so I'm bisexual. So I left, uh, broke up with my husband and then, so for me, it wasn't so much about male energy. It was, I didn't jump into new relationships, but I had a lot of sex. I call it my sexual explosion time. Um, and so for me, it wasn't about a gender. It was just about attention and like being fancied and someone liking me. Yeah. Um, no, I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it, it's just, it's, it's a funny one that we all, I mean, do you think it's all parent issues or can it come from other places as well? Well, I think we can be wounded in other areas of our lives and our adolescence and stuff like that. But, you know, the whole field of psychology is built on your childhood fucked you up, <laughs> you know, like as good of the parents you might have had, you're going to come out wounded in some way. Right? It's one of the major things I, I focus on is what I call my, my client's love story. What's your love story? Like we all grow up in some kind of environment and we come out of it with some story about, well, this is what love and relationships are. This is the way it works. This is, this is what we're seeing. We have a limited exposure. It might be our parents. It might be, you know, neighborhood families. It might be extended family, but you kind of come out of your adolescence saying, like, well, this is what love is. 
Love can be about compromise or love can be about power. Love can be smothering. Love can be controlling. Love can be heaven. So you come out with some of these things where it leaves you like for me, I idealized the love relationship. Like without it, I felt like I was empty. And I think that's what you're referring to the needing of someone being attracted to you. Just, it kind of makes you feel desirable, wanted and a sort of alive, of course. Right. So, so one of the things that I've understood about relationships is we're not necessarily looking for the relationship. Okay, my, my podcast is called the attracting lasting love podcast. So it's all about how to attract a life partner. And one of the points I make is that really isn't the end goal. It's not the life partner you want. It's what you think having the partner would deliver is what you really want. So there was something in me that didn't feel okay. Right. I, I came out of my childhood you know, my mother met our physical needs, but she was sort of emotionally distant. She was a perfectionist. She was kind of harsh, demanding, critical. And really the only way that I felt emotionally connected to my mother is if I sort of made my life be about taking care of hers, right? If mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy. So I became a really good boy. I wanted to forget what I needed and what I wanted. And mommy, what can I do to make you happy? And, and so when I was quote, a good boy, good boy, Roy is what I call him. When I was that way, then I felt some emotional connection from her. But if I had my own life, if I had my own wants and if I was quote being selfish, then I, I felt distance. So I, I grew up with this feeling of the way I would call this not okay feeling is I'm undesirable. Um, I'm not good enough or something. I, you know what I mean? And, and so I wanted a relationship to fix that feeling. Like if I had a woman that wanted me, it would fix something on the inside. I call them the four F's. You want a relationship either to fill a void or fix the problem or finish a story of I'm unwanted or something, or to help you find an identity. A lot of us, when we're alone, we feel like I don't matter. I don't exist. But man, if I was with that person, then I feel like I'm, I have an identity, right? So it's, it's those things that drive the whole mechanism, right? That's what makes us want a partner is we're not, I don't want to be careful with this, but I'm just going to say it we're not seeking a relationship because we just want to give our love to someone. We're wanting a relationship because we're wanting to get something, right? We're, we feel like we're not okay. We're something's missing, something's lacking. And we think that partner's got it. So it's not you. I want, it's what I think you're going to deliver for me. And that creates a codependence because now I'm in a relationship and I'm depending on you to fix my problem, to make me feel desirable. I would imagine I'm just, I'm just guessing Samantha that with you wanting to feel their attention, their attraction, them fancying you that that put pressure on them to, they had to continue doing that. I didn't let them have the opportunity to keep it up. I just was like, I got it once next, you know, okay. yeah. <laughs> it was a more of that scenario. Yeah. That's probably the way that you, you fixed or filled that void was you needed yeah. it repeatedly from different places to try to convince you 
that, that you I was were, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm worthy right, of right, it. Yeah. Right. And that's just going to create a cycle of, well, I mean, it can be really fun. I'm sure <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, of it was really fun. Were, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. now, but now I've done some work, which is good. Now I'm out of it. Yeah. Ultimately satisfying. Maybe not. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, that's the kind of work that I did and what I do with my clients is what's, what's that not okay feeling that you think that partner is going to fix. No one on the outside of you can fix a problem on the inside of you. Just doesn't work that way. It, we think it does, but it doesn't. Um, Michael Singer, my favorite spiritual teacher, he makes a joke. He's like, if I eat a sandwich, you don't feel full. <laughs> it's like, so if I'm doing something, it's not going to fix you on the inside. But most of us go into a relationship thinking you're going to fix my loneliness. You're going your love is going to heal my insecurity. Your love is going to make me feel wanted or worthy. And as much as they might try, no human being is ever going to be able to consistently do that, right? They're going to fail you just because they're, they're not capable of that. So then what is spirituality? You still, for you, you still felt unworthy. I still felt undesirable. That feeling is still there. The first step in real spiritual growth in my mind is recognizing that a partner doesn't do it. That won't work. Give that up. If you want to love somebody, love somebody, but do not think that they are going to deliver you or heal you in some way. But then the second thing is, well, I still feel that undesirable feeling. How do I deal with that? How do I fix that myself? What's the work of letting that go? Because in reality, I am desirable. In reality, you are worthy. It, 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 it's, it's a thought. It's based on our, our past and our childhood. But it becomes our work to heal that. And the more that I feel my own desirability and that I'm whole and complete into myself and I, there is no void to fill, there is no problem to fix. There is no story to finish. There is no identity to find. I, I am, I, right? I'm, I'm already whole and complete. The more I'm there, now I can go to a relationship and offer my wholeness to someone without expectation that you got to give me something. You know, there's no codependence now. Now I just, I have love that I want to give. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's the ad break. Would you like some divorce social merchandise? Oh, yeah. Give me a divorce social tote bag. Give me a divorce social sticker and mug. All right, then. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S. That's my name. And you will get access to be able to join up to our Patreon. That supports the admin costs of the podcast. It also means you have access to merchandise and a 90s style chat room where we talk about divorce and heartbreak and overcoming it and being fierce, amazing humans. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast as well and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we're on Instagram and Twitter at DivorcePod and I'm at Samantha Baines. Enjoy this advert because it makes me 2p every time you listen. 2p isn't maybe the real amount. I've made that up as an approximation, but thank you anyway. When you're kind of coming to your wholeness again and healing yourself because I feel like I've done you know talking about me personally got divorced and I and then had my sexual explosion and then I felt like I was like oh this isn't satisfying me in the way I thought it would what's going on and then obviously um, I saw a therapist and I've done kind of lots of like healing work on myself and that is continuing and at times I have felt more whole but I know now going I'm going into sort of a new relate well we've been on six dates um, but going into a new relationship and I felt like I was whole at the beginning of that and then every so often I get these pangs of but why do they even like me oh no I'm awful they should know and it comes back so you know, how, when you feel like you've done the work and you're like, yeah, I'm here, I'm whole. how do you keep that going? I did a podcast where I was, I was describing some of the most unpopular type of secrets about personal growth. And one of them is, is that we have been sold this idea that if you do some kind of growth, it's a lot like taking an antibiotic when you have an infection, like the infection goes away. It's no longer in your bloodstream. It's gone. And the idea being, if you do this kind of spiritual work, then that feeling of being unworthy or that undesirable, it goes away. It never comes up again. That's garbage, right? It comes up again. But hopefully what spiritual growth and work is, is you have the tools of what to do when that comes up. For me, instead, I just go find a new woman. If my wife isn't satisfying me, well, if I don't feel enough attention and affection from her, well, I'm going to go someplace else. Okay, well, I know where that leads. That leads to all kinds of hurting people, myself, everybody else. But hopefully you're learning the tools that when that energy comes up, you know what to do with it so it doesn't take you over and make you get into some of the patterns that cause lots of problems. Okay. And one of the main tools is when that comes up, See, if I was working with you, I would say, tell that person that you're on the sixth date with, on your seventh date, tell them, man, as I'm getting to know you, 
I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm starting to feel needy. I'm starting to feel some of my old stuff. What old stuff? Well, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on over here in Samanthaville, right? And I want to tell you about the drama that you're getting yourself into here (laughs) with this beautiful (laughs) creature that I am, okay? Here's my neurotic, beautiful mess. And you speak it to them. You're like, oh, I have these needs. And I, I sometimes have these expectations on a relationship. And I know it's not fair. And so it's like, here's my stuff, right? So when you make it known, it loses its power. There's something about making it known when you feel the relationship has the the ability to hold space for that. You might not reveal that to a stranger on the street or to someone on a first date. Once you start to establish some trust is here, you begin to show more, more of yourself to that person. And then you're able to, when you're in a relationship and they do something or don't do something or Perhaps they are not interested in sex in this one moment or something, or they make a comment and you feel some of your stuff coming up. (laughs) You can verbalize it and, and not blame them for it, but just be able to report and to share. Here's what's happening in me in this moment. When you pour it out and you show it to a person that you feel will honor it and can can contain it, something shifts in you. This is, that's a, this is a good example. So you already heard my story with my mother. Okay. So I became the kind of person that I felt like the only way to get the attention and affection of a beautiful woman was to make my life be about taking care of hers. Okay. So now I'm 40, 45 years old. Now I'm 60, almost 62, but this is back when the stuff started coming up for me. Around 40 is when our shit starts to bubble, I think. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm not there yet. Well, that's because you're a spiritual person and it's coming up sooner. But um, I started to really recognize that I, I got into relationships and very early on, I started raising these women's kids. Like I I, I attracted women who were high powered business people making lots of money, working 60 to 80 hours a week. But they, they were single mothers and they were just overwhelmed with all the responsibility. Well, here comes good boy, Roy, you know, and I made my life be about taking care of her. So I immediately started, I raised these women's children. I did their laundry. I got them out of bed. I, I changed their sheets. I cleaned her house. I did her grocery shopping. I cut her grass. I, I washed her car. I made my life be about taking care of hers. I mean, in some ways that does sound amazing. <laughs> right. But I, I did it from fear. See, I, I didn't want to love that way. I felt like I had to love that way because that's how I got close to my mother. Make Roy just do it her way. Make her happy. Do what she wants. Forget who you are and what you want. You don't matter. Just you know, so out of fear, I was doing these, not out of love. If, if a person wants to love that way, that's awesome. But I was doing it because I just thought I would never get laid if I didn't do this stuff. And so I was taking care of her. I, I became someone I call Roy the Rescuer. I was rescuing women who were damsels in distress. Those were the only kinds of women that I seemed to attract. Because when I'm in this, I've got to rescue a woman to make her like me. The only women who will get involved in that are women who feel like they're damsels. They're overwhelmed and they need someone to take care of them and do all this stuff. So that was the dynamic that I started 
getting myself into with woman after woman after woman. And you begin to see for a while that I blame the women. Like, why do I keep attracting these women who are professionally successful, but personally they're a mess. And, and my coach was pointing out to me, Roy, those are the only kind of women that are, are going to fit with you, right? Like if I'm a rescuer, then I have to attract people that need to be rescued. Right. So I, I started to learn these things about myself. And then the, the work that I did was about having to discover like, who is the real me when I'm not afraid? Because my undesirability story was running the show, making me be a certain kind of boyfriend or man in a relationship. So a lot of my work was if I wasn't afraid, if I felt secure within myself, who would I be? How would I show up? Because I've been doing this pattern. And so that's a major thing that I talk about with my clients. What is your relationship persona? Who did you learn that you had to be in your childhood in order to feel safe or to get love? We recognize if we have certain characteristics, mommy or daddy might not like that. I mean, take the typical example of a father who can't handle a woman's emotions. So now you're a little girl and you're, you're angry and sad and happy and scared and wild. You're this wild emotional creature. But whenever you share anger or something or sadness, daddy rejects you. Like you go, go talk to your mother or go to your room. Don't be a little bitch. Right. So what happens is a little girl, you want to be close to your father. So you say, okay, so to be close to my dad, I have to hide my emotions. I have to suppress them and repress them because I get in trouble when I'm that way. And now you're 40 years old and you're a person who can't express their feelings or all the feelings come out like through sadness. Guys go through this too. You grow up in a, in a, a situation where big boys don't cry. Don't be a pussy, right? So men very often grow up where Anger is sort of allowed as ah, my boy, he's strong, he's tough, he's angry, but we're not allowed to feel scared or sad. So that's all blocked off. And now we're adult men and every emotion we have comes out as anger because that's the only tube we have access to. The other ones are the hoses kinked and there's no access there. So very often when men are, men are sad or scared they're, and when they're, when they're angry, they might be actually sad or scared, but they just don't know what to do with it. But women are the same the other way. It's okay for a little girl to be sad and to cry. Come, come here, sweetheart, right? It's okay to, to be scared, but it's not okay for a little girl. Don't be a bitch. You're, a, lot of, a lot of young girls, even today, even as our society hopefully evolves, it's not okay for little girls to be angry. So they bury the anger and now they can't set boundaries. They can't say no. <laughs> they they get run over by men because anger is the energy that says stop enough. Right. And then when they do feel angry, you'll see women very often say, I'm so angry as they're crying tears down their face. It's like, you don't look angry. You look sad because they don't have the ability to, ah, because that's been blocked. Right. So it's this, this is the kind of stuff that messes up us up in our love lives. How do you relate with another person authentically if half of your emotions are repressed and blocked and how do you relate with someone when you're working out your mom and your daddy issues and you've got this persona, I've got to be this little boy in order to get a woman to like me. And it's coming from fear and it's not real. And of course it never lasts. So 
we've, we've been all over the map here, but I'm, I'm kind of wanting to throw some darts at a number of areas for the viewers or the listeners to be able to say, Ooh, that may be the thing that's holding me back yeah. the way I communicate or the way I feel my feelings or this relationship persona thing. That's what's making me attract. Like, so the point I was making when I'm Roy, the rescuer, I have to attract a damsel in distress because they, they're like two pieces of a puzzle that fit together. Right. And, and also, I guess, cause you're saying, I have to attract that person, but also you're attracted to the damsel in distress because that because Roy the rescuer is. Yes, it, yeah, it's like you need me, <laughs> it's like, right? Um, because yeah, the, they're reciprocal. They're like cookies and milk; they go together. I mean, I'm lactose intolerant, but sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have both. I like your sense of humor. <laughs> but often, when I work with a client, they tell me of a pattern that they're in. They're like, why do I keep attracting emotionally unavailable men? Or why do I attract men who are like broken down cars? Man, they need to be fixed and repaired. Or why do I attract narcissists? These self-absorbed in their own little selfish world type thing. Well, that's their persona. And if you understand, if you're attracting that, you must have a reciprocal persona. So if you find yourself attracting men who are broken down and need to be fixed, then you're probably animating some sort of nurse person like Florence Nightingale. You learn as a little girl that the way you get attention and affection and feel safe is if you take care of other people. If you're, you're helpful and you're giving and you're sacrificial and you're unselfish and you're nurturing, right? So when you're, when you walk around with a wrench, you know, a mechanic attracts broken down cars. <laughs> they go together, right? A nurse attracts wounded soldiers. Narcissists, two narcissists can't be in the same relationship. They beat the shit out of each other. No, it's about me. No, it's about me. No, it's about me. You can't do that. A narcissist needs someone who will be the opposite. That selfless person that it's not about me. Oh, that's great because it's all about me. And you and I can fit well because I'll just take up all the air in the room and you will just sit in the background and never say a word and never push back or never have your own needs or your own perspectives. So very often it's this unhealthy, unselfish person. And I say unselfish in an unhealthy way. They don't have a sense of themselves that ends up with the narcissist because they, they're overly self-identified. Well, I think it's important to say as well, obviously we're not blaming anyone for like, you know, you had a terrible relationship because you tried to be selfless, but it's just interesting, these patterns that keep cropping up. But the big question, I guess, is how do you break the pattern? Well, there's a whole process of working with personas that I, uh, that I do with my clients. There's a seven-step process. Personas are a little bit like they're like vampires, okay? <laughs> Meaning when a vampire is exposed to the light, it dies. So the way you work with a persona is you don't try to get rid of it. You want to bring it into the light of your awareness. You want to get to know that part of yourself. You, you want to love that part of yourself. You want to know what that persona believes, what it fears, what it thinks. You, you want to, I, I needed to get to know Roy the Rescuer, where he came from 
why he was born, what his purpose was. And the more that I knew him, the more that I knew the ways that Roy the rescuer would function, I could spot him. I could catch when I was starting to act like him. So I might meet a new woman and I might offer to do something for her. And I could say, Ooh, why are you doing that? Roy? Are you doing that to get laid or to get her to like you? Or do you genuinely want to do this? Or are you just doing it because you think you have to, right? I could catch myself and I can make that decision. No, I don't really want to do that. So I'm not going to. And if it turns out she doesn't like me, then fine. But I don't want to play that game anymore. Other times, you know, I did want to do those things. So bringing it out into the light, and this ties back into what we were talking about you and your sixth date. On the third date with my wife, because I had done all this work on Roy the Rescuer with my coach before I ever met my wife. On our third date, I just came right out and I said, Mary Margaret, that's her name. Um, you need to know something about me. When I lose presence, when I get stuck in my shit, I become this guy like Roy the Rescuer, where I become like the world's greatest boyfriend because I'm terrified that if I don't do all these things for you, you won't like me. And so I just want you to know about this. This is a shtick that I can fall in. I've been doing it since I've been three years old with my mother. Okay. So it's a habit. It's hard to break. It's there in me. And I can start playing games of doing things and acting sweet and being nice and taking care of things. I don't really want to do it, but I feel like I have to, otherwise you won't like me. So I just outed myself to her. I just said, I have that tendency. If you ever spot or you feel like something I'm doing feels like Roy the Rescuer, I want you to call me out on that. I want you to get right up. Is that, is that real? Because that feels like that thing you were telling me. <laughs> okay. So by bringing it into the light and even revealing it to this woman who I was on a third date, but we knew we really were into each other right away. Um, I don't know if we, I don't think we had sex by that at that point. I don't think so. Um, but I outed that. And there were times where I would do something or say something or offer to do something. And she'd say, that didn't feel right. That felt kind of slimy. That kind of felt like you're schmoozing me. Like, what's up? And I would say, thank you. Let me check in. No, you're right. I, I really don't. I don't want to take your car to get the oil changed. I really don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. She said, good. Thank you. Right. But other times I would check and say, no, I, I, I really, I'd love, I'm going to take your card. I, I'm not doing it to get late. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Right. I, I want to do this for you because I just want to do this for you. Right. Great. Then you can do that for me. Right. So the way you break this is one, you have to get to know the persona. You have to befriend it. It's, this is not an enemy. This is a survival mechanism, frankly. And the more you get to know it, then you can share it. You can, you can share your neuroticness with your, with a partner that you feel is ready to kind of handle that kind of reveal or your relationship has, it doesn't take long to feel like I can share, I can share some of my junk with this person. You know, I want them to know me. I don't want them to fall in love with the image I'm presenting. Let, let me kind of, I call it dating naked, right? Remember even in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they were in, they were in the garden, they were naked and unafraid or unashamed. Okay. And outdoors, so cold. Right, right, right. But it doesn't mean they didn't have clothes, right? It's a spiritual text, right? So it's talking about there was no secrets. They were, they were laid bare before each other. There was no 
no, nothing hidden. It, everything was there. I see you, you see me, and there's no shame. That's we're looking for unconditional love. And it is, it's, we have the opportunity to reveal ourselves to people to take our proverbial clothes off and say, this is me. I don't want you to fall in love with the version that I could give you. I want you to know that I'm, I can be insecure. I can have a temper. I can be needy. I've got this, right? I mean, eh, right here, this is all of me. Now, if you love all of me, we're in business. But most of us don't do that. Most of us present an image. I think they'll like this. I'll show them that. I don't think they'll be able to handle this part of me. The Instagram filtered version. Right. Exactly. I don't want them to know I'm high maintenance or something. And then they fall in love with the person you've shown them. And then eventually the rest of you shows up and they're like, where's Roy? What what, what have you done with him? <laughs> Who is this person? <laughs> so do you think there should be no secrets? in a relationship yes but relationships have stages of their development so on a first date you would never tell someone how much money you make or how much debt you carry or your medical history or you probably wouldn't go into much detail at all about your sexual history right so things are appropriate at certain stages um but ultimately especially if you want to be in a relationship and it's, you feel like this is going to last. There should be in my, in my world, there's no secrets. There's no reason because the only reason why you wouldn't tell them is you want to control them because you're afraid if they knew you, they wouldn't like you. So now you're, you're going to try to keep them in your life by controlling the narrative. To me, that's just manipulation. So I'm total for naked. Here it is right? It's just that certain times you reveal certain things. But the things we're talking about here, about our tendencies to require our partners to do things for us, you know, to fill that void, you know, the things that you're, you know, you're wanting to be worthy, my wanting to be desirable, that can come out really early in a relationship. You know, if the conversations have any depth to them, Sometimes on a first date, you're just chit-chatting about what do you do for a living and what do you do for fun? And you're sort of feeling each other out. That's the problem with me, though. They're like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, I'm a comedian, but I also have a podcast called The Divorce Social. And then that leads right into the divorce and exes chat, which is fun. Yeah, then they, they, <laughs> they get to meet you right up front. This is it. Exactly. Let's, let's, you know what I mean? This is how I roll. And if you like it, we're in business. If you don't, that's okay. You know, I'm, a, I'm not going to take a personal. Welcome to the world of Sam. Yeah. So all of these things are what I call being in relationship shape, right? My newest book is called Relationship Boot Camp, Hardcore Training for Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Intimacy. Is there any physical exercise that you have to do on this book? No, no. These are all yeah. okay. working on your relationship <laughs> muscles, you could say, right? So I use a fitness metaphor to make it more readable, more enjoyable. And I've identified seven relationship muscles that need to be strong. We've been talking about them, whether they're your relationship with your, your mind or your emotions or your inner truth, your communication, your relationship with your past, right? We're all through a divorce. We've all been hurt. You know, we have to be able to let go of our past if we're going to be present with a new person. Otherwise, we get in what I call the menage a trois from hell right? It's me and you and my past. And the three of us are in this relationship together, right? So a lot of us have baggage 
and trust issues. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've been ghosted and gaslighted. That's not unusual, but we need to let that stuff go. Otherwise we bring that with us. And now it's, it's just, it's get, it gets between us and we start to be guarded or suspicious. We start to um, almost, you know, we meet a person instead of saying, I am wide open, let's play. Like I'm available. We start out by saying, no, you have to earn my trust. I, I'm putting my hand out, keeping you away. You got to earn it. Well, what good person wants to earn your trust? We just met. What did I do? Right? So we, our past, when it's alive in us, can make us hold new people accountable for their behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just going to sabotage you, right? It's just going to mess you up, right? So these are the things that, that we need to kind of get those muscles strong, letting go of our past and, you know, and the other things that I mentioned. Um, and then I guess we're probably getting close to the end here. Um, can I mention something? I have something, I have something free to give away. Yeah, please. Okay, good. So what I'm saying as a coach is I'm a relationship trainer, helping people get in shape to attract lasting love. Okay. And these seven relationship muscles are in my book, but also a little bit like a, a personal trainer would do, right? If you go to a gym and you hire someone to get you in shape, the first thing they're going to do, if they know what they're doing is they're going to put you through a bunch of assessments to find out what your current fitness level is. And once they know kind of what they're dealing with, they can put a program together to get you to the fitness level that you want. Okay. Well, I do that with my clients. I know what you want. You want this beautiful, healthy, sustainable, intimate, sexual, fun relationship. Okay. What's your current relationship fitness level? Right. What are we starting with here? And if I can identify what your current fitness level is, well, then I can put a program together to get you stronger in those areas that might need strengthening so that you're really ready for something real and lasting. So on my website, coachingwithroy.com, hopefully that's memorable. That's why I, I named it that way, coachingwithroy.com. On the homepage, there's something called the Relationship Fitness Self-Assessment Test. And it's a 30-question true-false test. Takes four minutes to take. Okay. It's short. It's absolutely confidential. Even I don't see your results. I get notified that someone took the test, but I don't see the results, but you immediately get your results and it, it, it puts you in a, a relationship fitness category. Okay. So you can't see me, but I'm smiling as I say this It's playful, right? So you're going to get, you're going to take this test, this true false test, and you're going to be put in either the first category, which is you are relationally ripped. Okay. That means you're just ripped. Nobody's ever scored that. That's like for Jesus or <laughs> Buddha or someone. Okay. So you're not going to be ripped. Trust me. I'm not ripped. Okay. The second category is you are going to be skinny fat. Okay. Which means you look pretty good, but you got some problems going on. The third category you might be in is, is called overweight. The fourth is, is unhealthy. And then the quote worst category, it's the most common category. It's the category, frankly, I took, I wrote the test, but I took the test from the way I used to be and think back in the day, dangerously out of shape, and which made sense. I was, I was a relationship mess. So I tell people, take the test, find out, this isn't gospel. Like, I don't, you know, it, it just find out what this test, it is accurate, but 
I don't, I don't want to present it like I'm the end all be all knowledge of all things relationship, but it is accurate to let you know what your current fitness level is. And if your results show that you need to get in better shape, it just means you're human. And then if you want, we can talk about a coaching program to help you make the changes and do the kind of work that you need to do, because not everybody needs to work on every one of those seven muscles. Some people are pretty good in some aspects of the relationship. Some people communicate very well, but their feelings they don't deal with, or they're great with their feelings, but they haven't let go of that past stuff. That's still alive in them. And it's, they have trust issues and that kind of stuff. So take the fitness test at coachingwithroy.com and then follow up with me and Maybe I can help you get in better shape and make your next relationship be something amazing. I love that there's a test. It reminds me of like 90s teen magazines where you had to do like decide if someone liked you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. a good test. Deeper than that, but yeah, it's a Although quiz. Yeah. I, yeah. Although I would say, I don't know if I want a test to tell me I'm overweight. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> as a woman who's been on a lot of diets, that's a bit stressful. Yeah. But no, yeah. it sounds um, it sounds great. I, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'll let you know what I get. Um and could you remind us of the titles of your books, if people can search them and find yes. them? Yes, they're, they're all on Amazon. My newest book is paperback, ebook, and audio. It's Relationship Bootcamp, Hardcore Training for Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Intimacy. Um, the, the book before it, my second book, was called Attracting Lasting Love. That's what my podcast is named after. Uh, Breaking Free of the Seven... seven um, barriers that keep us single. So it's all about the ways we block our love lives. Okay. And then my first book was a, was a, like a memoir, my story of from all my drama to creating a good relationship. And it's called a drink with legs. Okay. So again, it's a, it's a book about relationship addiction. So the idea is a metaphor, like a woman to me was a drink with legs. You know, she was my, she was my drug and I needed my drug because I felt that undesirable feeling. So that book is, it's fun to read. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you cringe. It's incredibly honest and personal, but it's one man's journey from the drama to the dawning of intimacy. Um, so they're all found on Amazon. You could just Google my name and find it all. It's all there. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. It's been very enlightening to chat to you. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me and good luck with your new relationship. Sounds interesting. Wow. Yeah. All all my listeners will be kept updated, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.